for October 19th, 2023. It's the Lullaby Podcast. It's the Lullabot Podcast, episode 265. I'm Matt Cleave, a senior developer at Lullabot. And today we're talking about where we've been, where we're going, upgrading from Drupal 7. But you know what? That's something that you hear a lot from a lot of different people about these days. Um, with the end of life of Drupal 7, everybody's thinking, ah, how are we going to get off of that? We're going to migrate to all the latest versions of modern Drupal, and it's a lot of work. We got something a little bit different today. Um, with us today, we have a principal software engineer from Acquia. He's the maintainer of PHP Stan, a Drupal extension, and the companion Drupal Check Runner. Drupal Test Runner, a PHP Storm plugin running for running Drupal's test suite, all of the really great automated tools that you use um, when working on Drupal. He's the author of the Drupal 8 Development Cookbook, one of the first published books on Drupal 8. From Wisconsin, Matt Glaman joining us. Hey, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Also with us, we have a senior front-end developer from Lullabot. She's CPACC certified in digital accessibility, an organizer of Alley Talks. She's contributed on accessibility for the Olivero theme, the Claro admin theme, and Drupal admin UI from Perry, Kansas. Joining us, Kat Shaw. Hey, Kat. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. And I know, Kat, you, you did a bunch of work um, prior to your time at Lullabot, you know, in the D7 world and supporting some D7 sites and that kind of thing. And yeah. So yes, I did. <laughs> you've got all that deep knowledge of that along with, uh, you know, your awesome front end knowledge too. So Matt, we were at the Twin Cities Drupal camp and I listened to you talk, your talk about um, Drupal retrofit. And I thought, wow, this is great. Of course, I think I, I saw you talking about it on the, uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Um, some time ago, you were kind of pontificating on, wouldn't it be great if we had this, this, this middleware, right? Explain to me what you're doing with retrofit these days and how it's kind of a novel idea. So retrofit, eh, I first talked about it at MidCamp during a lightning talk and explained it as my best worst idea that I've had in four years. So this is something I've been thinking about for a while where we focus a lot in Drupal on doing data migration from Drupal 7 to Drupal 8, 9, 10, and so forth. But we never really thought about the code part of it. It was just kind of, we said, that's life. You have to rewrite your code. But what if we didn't have to rewrite our code? What if we could plug in like a, a shim or some kind of library that let your Drupal 7 code just work in Drupal 9, 10, 11, 12? Because there's a huge effort in rewriting your code that has your business logic, those legacy applications that have been running fine for eight years and had all this money invested. It's really hard to just go and rewrite that when you have probably developers who didn't originally write it. So retrofit is a tool that wants to uh, solve that gap and make it easier to lift your code from Drupal 7 into a modern Drupal application. So that's different than the way Drupal has always been in the past though, right? Because Drupal is all about, you know, the drop is always moving, the old code be damned, your content will be golden, will make your content get to the latest version, but you got some work to do, huh? So th the idea yeah. here is that we're going to try and take some of that work off. Make it a lot simpler. Um, and this just focuses on the Drupal 7 code. Now, there could be ways in the forward, in the future to help ease major version upgrades. 
So one of my other tools is the Composer Lenient plugin, which lets you install any module with any version of Drupal and then patch it. So that way, let's say it doesn't work with Drupal 10 yet, this allows the Composer to download it. Well, Retrofit could also help bridge that gap if you, for some reason, you're managing 50 sites, 50 different code bases, and you just didn't have time to get to them all. Because even like a year, that's a lot of code bases to touch. And this could allow you to run some of that deprecated code in the newest major version of Drupal without it crashing. You, you mentioned the lenient, right? That that sounded like a wild and crazy idea that didn't make any sense. And why would you ever use that? But if if you're trying to upgrade to a, a modern ver or a different version of Drupal and the module doesn't yet support it, but it does support it with the patch, you need yeah. composer lenient and then the patch, and then you can run the old version of the module patched on the new version of Drupal. Yeah, because it, it essentially... Composer would say, sorry, this isn't compatible, but it gives you a chance to say, hold on, I'm okay with that because I will make it work. Um, and, you know, lenient and retrofit, because even think of retrofit beyond your own code, if you did have like some Drupal 7 contrib that didn't upgrade, this is open source. This is part of the risk of using open source code is things may not work in three years or there may be a maintainer that doesn't release things fast enough. And this is gonna help with your own code, but maybe you're the Drupal 7 site that hasn't been able to upgrade because that one obscure contrib you made a decision about 10 years ago, that shouldn't hold you back. And if you don't wanna rewrite the code, Retrofit should help you at least get a lift so that we don't have to worry about rewriting it. So explain to me how it works. If, if I were to go install Retrofit today, what is it? Uh, what does it cover? I guess just kind of take me through the, the what it's going to do for me today. Yeah. So Retrofit go, gets installed in a new Drupal 10 site. So you would create a new Drupal 10 code base and you do Composer Require, Retrofit, Drupal, Retrofit. And that will plug into Drupal in its service container and kind of hook into all of its APIs and say, oh, you're discovering blocks? Well, I'm going to call hook block info because that was the API in Drupal 7. And I'll go find all the blocks and then it provides a class. And then that class calls all the old API methods. So that way, if you define blocks in your Drupal 7 module, it will call all the same hooks. And luckily, the render system is mostly the same. Render arrays for a lot of things could still just work. So your block could start outputting content without deleting the hook lines and creating a new class. Now, it's not hard work, but it's still work. It's tedious work to have to go change things around. Um, same with your, right now it can do discovery of theme hooks, such as theme functions. Drupal 7 allowed you to write theme functions. And in Drupal 8, they said, no, we're not doing that. It's Twig templates all the way. This actually renders your theme hooks inside a Twig template. Same with PHP template. So you don't have to rewrite everything. Hopefully, let's say instead of it being 100% of your code, it's maybe 30 to 40%. And that's, that is, that's a huge deal if you're not touching every single line of code. So this is all kind of based on the idea that the business logic doesn't change, but the scaffolding around it does, right? Yes. Yeah. Just think about the other way that what I was thinking of it is I've been a senior developer for a while now, like team lead reviewing code. And I know at the end of the day, my head hurts sometimes when I'm just reviewing code all the time. And I can't, I've never been on a Drupal 7 to Drupal 10 upgrade. A few that I were on were e-commerce sites, so we just re-imported the data, right? It didn't matter. We didn't migrate data. I, I can't imagine, um, actually those, we did have to rewrite business logic. Hold on, sorry. 
So I was on a few Drupal 7 to Drupal 10 rewrites, and we had to reinvent the business logic. And that's a lot to review. That means you have to go check the code. You have to check with the developers. You have to check with the business. Like, hey, we have to adjust this. Does this still make sense? Like, is this business process still correct? And if there's a way that you could just lift that and plug it into a new scaffolding without having to dust off any old knowledge or, you know, somebody wrote this and they're gone and nobody really knows how it works, but it works. If we can avoid those conversations, that's the goal. Seven to 10 with commerce too would mean rules is gone. So yeah. So that, there's, that would have been, a there, it's big not going to fit for everybody. Um, you know, cause then rules and like, even like chaos tools provided a bunch of plugins yeah. or like it's plugin system. So there will be things that don't map correctly, such as I was on a lot of sites with panelizer. I'm not sure how that would really work, but the idea would be a lot of your code that interfaces with like entities and nodes should just work. So what does work at this point? Is there, is there a list that's documented somewhere that we could take a look at if we wanted to? I need to see if I've made a properly documented list. So I don't I, think I have. I heard you mention blocks my... and nodes. Yes. So blocks. Like um, entity, entity hooks, that kind of thing? No, not. I started to work on entity hooks and then I paused because I realized everybody brought up themes. So yeah. let's go down this. I had to pull up the code quick. So <laughs> hook menu. That was the first thing I did. So okay. your hook menu. Maps to routes, pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Maps routes to links to actions to tasks. Oh, yeah, because yeah. before in Drupal 7, hook menu defined everything. And then Drupal 8, it became individual APIs. So that is mapped forms. So if you have a hook menu that defines a form, the form works. We if it gets put into a form class. And luckily that API hasn't changed a lot. So it really does just work. Blocks, theme hooks. Um, if you have a theme and you've overridden templates using TPL templates, those get picked up and respected. That's a little bit more wonky because some of the underlying theme, theming things have changed. But I took Drupal 7 Bartik, put it in a Drupal 10 site, and I could see my nodes themed via Bartik from the Drupal 7 land. Did you just tell me that you were you you have a functional Drupal 7 theme running on Drupal 10? Yes. Now there was there had to be some finagling around style sheets because I have not found a way to um, shove those in, if you will, um, where it could take the style sheets definition and create a library dynamically for you. And that's mostly because Drupal is still attached to hooks and not event subscribers. Um, just some of some of the magic to make this work is very locked away inside parts of the Drupal API that was just too hard to swap out, if you will. Well, I just, one thing I was, I think we were talking about this or I was hearing you consider trying to do that. And I was thinking about how the theme system used to be pluggable back in the day. And I think now it's less so, but man, it would be nice if it were again, because that would actually work right without having to, to do a bunch of workarounds, I guess. Yeah. And one thing I'm considering to provide, and I don't know if anybody's done this before, but is a Drush command that's bundled with Retrofit that allows you to convert your theme to, that says, oh, I need to retrofit this theme, so take the .info file and convert it to a modern info.yaml, and maybe that builds your libraries.yaml for you. So kind of like a code migrator. I know there is like the module upgrader, module package, whatever it is. 
Yeah. I don't think it, I don't know if it works for themes. I haven't actually dove into that because the idea is I don't want people to have to rewrite code. I want it to just work. But I think for the like info files, that's a, you, you got to touch those no matter what. Yeah. So that's the one thing you're saying you have to change from your Drupal 7 to a Drupal 10 is your info file turns into a YAML file, right? Yeah. Yep. And it maps. And that, that, that allows Drupal it. to recognize it, right? So then your hook's going to be called Correct. and yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's the one part of Drupal that's really hard to just to get in and modify. And I just fear the level of effort on my end is so high that if that's the one thing you have to do is, you know, replace an info file to info YAML. It's not if that's if that's the hardest part of this, that's a win, in my opinion. Kat, I'd love to hear what you think about the, the front I'm wondering, end. Did you mention forms? The, yes. the forms API? So I, how I've been working on this is I took the examples module from D7 and I kind of just copied it over and I was like, all right, I'm going to walk through the form, like the menu example and all of those paths work. It's like, let's do form where forms were built into it. I went to the form and you can do tutorials one through seven that iterative, iterative uh, that build up the form over time and it submits even Ajax. So form API plus Ajax from Drupal seven code works in Drupal 10 which kind of blew my mind, but it's <laughs> I, I wouldn't have expected that. Like form API is, is, is not that different, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's yeah. gone from being the procedural functions to stuff it in a class because classes are better, I guess, but yeah. the API hasn't changed that much. The internals have, that is one thing that, um, retrofit does is form state was always an array and form state handles all the information of a form that's being built and submitted. So it decorates it with a version of form state that implements the array access interface, which basically says you can touch this object as an array. So that way you, you should be able to fetch like form state values. It knows to map that to form state get value and the value would like. That's really cool. Have you, um, have you looked into the like um, how it affects the accessibility features that because I know Drupal 9, Drupal 10, even Drupal 8 uh, had a lot of accessibility features that were introduced that weren't really in Drupal 7. Um, so, you know, like the RL alerts and the um, just even the the link on the on the top for going to the main content and things like that. That is a good question. I know if somebody were to take their theme over verbatim, then they would not receive those updates. Um, but that's kind of in the nature of the project is one of the reasons behind this also was not just so that people can be lazy um, so that way or like miss out on features, but let's say that they don't have time. Like they're, they're running short on time. They don't have time to finish this project. It gives them a chance to get on Drupal 10 and then use the next year or two to keep refactoring away their code. Or I think a lot of us are used to each Drupal major version being like a replatform because it is a replatform. And you, when you replatform, you usually do a theme redesign. So the idea is that you don't need to bundle upgrading from Drupal 10, 7 to 10 with a theme redesign. It could be, we will do this update then we'll, we'll redesign this, the site and then we'll do a maintenance package to refactor away the code and get off retrofit. So it's kind of a way just to help people, you know, 
developers, the, these teams are going to have to maintain the legacy platform and a Drupal 10 site at the same time. And this is a way that they can maybe just say, all right, we're not going to do feature debt for three months for one quarter because we're going to do this upgrade. And then we're back on track versus saying, oh, we can't do this for a year. We can't, we all have to maintain two platforms. So there would be a loss at any of the accessibility items that were added to Drupal 10 or to modern versions of Drupal and their themes if they ported their theme over verbatim. I what I really like about this is it really creates a bridge um, that allows the time. That's why I when you're talking about that, um, and I, you know, I hope you don't mind. Uh, I actually worked at uh, Douglas County, Kansas for th like over 13 years as a webmaster was my title. And um, one of the things I did in my last years working there was actually uh, create some Drupal 7 sites. And I actually felt bad when I left because then shortly after that Drupal 8 was uh, created and I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I did that. I should have chosen Drupal 8. Um, and they actually struggled with this exact issue um, and they had to migrate to Drupal 9, actually. Um, so this topic is really, really interesting to me. Um, so I'm really glad that you have uh, created this because I think that they could have used it because they actually ended up going the route of um, having to spend a lot of time and money. I, yeah. I don't and think this gets away from having to know about your Drupal site and know how it runs, but it's, it's kind of provides some shortcuts to at least get yeah. the major version of Drupal running faster. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I think it fits this. It fits this market of people who invested in Drupal as their platform and application. Not, you know, the one example that I had is there's like a family snowmobile club and I built it on Drupal 7 13 years ago. I'm not going to use retrofit to port that theme over. I'm telling them to go to Squarespace because that's that that's easier for them now. They don't need these features, but people that have actually said, this is a great platform because Drupal is a framework, yet a content management system, and we've embedded it in our business. This allows them to keep that investment without, you know, it's not throwaway <laughs> to do the upgrade, but the idea is that they can just get more bang for their buck out of their previous investment. 13 years ago, Squarespace wasn't was what it is today. Like as far as like yeah. these site builder things, weren't as numerous or as good as might, you know, somebody might be able to use today. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, the, the technology has moved on and, and maybe there's a better way to do it. And maybe that isn't the best way to, to, I mean, Drupal isn't the best thing to run a, a small site. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's good to hear, but giving them that bridge is, is important. Yeah. I, I just, uh, kind of, going off of what I was talking about, um, that I wonder how many sites like that, like local governments, especially that um, have used the work are on Drupal 7, um, have changed to another platform just because of the stress of um, converting. I know that with the example I gave with Douglas County, Kansas, they actually considered going to other platforms because of that. And I really fought <laughs> hard with them because I, I kept in contact um, and tried to give them pointers on how to, to keep with it. And luckily they did. Um, but um, I wonder how many have gone off of the platform because of that. And that's too bad, I think. I mean, it's bad, but I'm less of the, oh, no. I think it's just because of my history and like the e-commerce from when I was at Commerce Guys slash Taro. 
replatforms happen all the time. You get new management in, you get some new version in. Um, somebody was like, oh, I know we can do this better and more efficient. We've we've taken sites off Magento onto commerce, onto then big, then they were like, oh, it's going on big commerce now. Change is inevitable and replatforms happen a lot. And it usually happens when there's somebody who wants thinks they they know somebody and can save more money by the other platform, or they are facing a big um, you know, like upgrade costs. And like, okay, well, if you're spending money, let's reevaluate how we're gonna spend the money. So we might lose some sites out of it, and I think that's okay because that's just the natural way things go. We will, I think, Drupal's innovating in a way that will win back or more like sites with the capabilities. Um, but I want to help provide a tool that lets those that know it's the system they want, but they know it's going to be too hard to upgrade, and they don't have a fleet of like security engineers to be running their Drupal seven sites behind the scenes. Well, and that timeline is now set right? At least yeah. again, set again, because it seems like that Drupal 7 end of life has been pushed back a couple of times. But now I, I kind of believe this one, right? And, and yeah. what are we, uh, a little over a year out? You've got four quarters. If you didn't, you basically need to start planning now so that way you can execute in Q1 to hopefully launch. So like, so that way you can start developing January 1st and then hopefully launch it at the end of Key three. So what? September 1st, launch it. So that way you can use September, October to make sure everything's okay. And then I think that, that like it's January 5th, I think is the end of life, something like that. So off day. So you have three quarters, nine months to do the development and launch if you haven't started yet, realistically. So that way everything can be tested and the, the, the bugs are worked out before end of life happens. Because you want that Drupal 7 site shut down before the end of life. And you got holidays right around then. So it's a pretty expedited timeline at the moment. Now, if you just had a, a, a tiny snowmobile, snowmobile club website, like your example, I mean, that seems like a really long timeline to, to get something yeah. upgraded. But folks who are maintaining, you know, a, a large Drupal 7 install that has a ton of content and a ton of nuance because there's always some new feature that needs added along the way um, and stuff gets bolted onto the sides and, you know, as, as time progresses, it's not necessarily straightforward. And the person that did that might not be there anymore. And it, it's a lift. It's definitely a lift. And we, we hear about that all the time um, when folks are trying to, to do these upgrades. I was wondering if you had any hiccups during this process of creating this. Oh, I've had so many hiccups. Um, <laughs> but the funny part is the hiccups have come along over the past three years because I'm always finding ways like how can I do Drupal like use Drupal but build an app like you would Symphony or Laravel like trying to use Drupal like I like Drupal's caching system and entity system but I don't want to have normal Drupal so I've always tried to do quirky things with it some of the biggest difficulties are just knowing where to hook into the system so I'm basically living through xdebug. So if anybody's like, Matt, how do you know so much about Drupal? It's like, well, I decide to do ridiculous things and then I use xdebug and I end up stepping through the entire life cycle of building a page. Um, one of the big ones I think was around Drupal add JS and Drupal add CSS. So in Drupal 7, you used to say, I'm gonna add random JavaScript to the page or random style sheet to the page. And in Drupal 8, that throws an exception or well, it. Yeah, if you would attach things in the wrong way, it throws an exception to this optimized library system. So I found a way to 
polyfill or not polyfill, but the backport, those two functions and bubble JavaScript settings to the page. So if you do Drupal add JS, but you're adding things to like the JavaScript a settings API, those will show up, but then it still collects all the files you wanted to add via like the JavaScript and the CSS. And I'm finding a way, I'm finding a way to still throw that onto the page for you. So that way it still works the way it did, but it will happen at such a late runtime that it doesn't mess with the pages, um, act like aggregates of files or cacheable metadata attached to any of that. So that's probably like one of the biggest hiccups is I always think like I'm right there and then I break the site somehow, or I'm adding support for custom fields right now, or rather I do have it and for custom field formatters to render it, but I'm adding in support for accessing field data as an array at the same time. So in Drupal, like in Drupal 7, you do field, get items, and then the entity, then the field name, and it returns it as, a, as an array list, as an array in each item in there. And I have it working, and luckily I have a contributor. Um, Darren always like stepped in and like made a PR instead of reviewing me, my PRs, which is great. And it's like, hey, I'm testing this out and it broke my code because I forgot to do an underscore underscore call. So in Drupal 10, fields are classes or objects, so they can have custom methods. Well, my decorated field item class didn't support that, so it crashed. But it allowed the Drupal 7 code to go field bracket RGB for the, like the RGB property and work. So which is that's straight out of the, the examples again, right? The RGB. Yes, that's, yeah. straight out of the examples. I recognize that one. <laughs> so I think that's one of the biggest quirks is how do I make the Drupal 7 code work, but not break Drupal 10 code at the same time? Um, and that will happen a lot as I add more entity support because that Drupal 7 didn't have entities. It, it kind of did. And then there's the entity module. And then Drupal 8 was like, bam, first class entity support um, and object-oriented support at the same time. So finding ways to, it, it wouldn't be hard for ha, to have folks change bra, like arrays to arrow access for things, like from an array to an object. But what if they didn't have to? Again, it comes down to what if you didn't have to change that line of code? And I'd like to reduce the amount of lines of code people have to change to save everyone's sanity and reduce bugs. Yeah, so it sounds like there could be challenges. Again, it's 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 there, there's a lot of things that are functional right now in retrofit, but it sounds like there's still some bleeding edge, especially if you decided to to push the extent of Drupal, right? Yes, yeah, especially if you choose if you did really go all in and have some robust custom code. And I don't think anything's impossible. The hardest part is just knowing what people have done. So that way the right areas are retrofit, if you will. You know, like what parts of the Drupal API actually should be have a backwards compatibility layer instead of everything. What kinds of things would be more of a challenge right now? If we had a Drupal 7 site and we wanted to use retrofit, what wouldn't work well? I would say the theming layer. Um, because as I said, I ran it with Bartik. Sure. When somebody, like, there's different, there are different properties and global variables that are littered throughout pre-process and process functions that when it gets called, it breaks. Like, as soon as I tried to run Bartik, it was like, oh, you're accessing a block as an array, or regions are different now. Um, or before, breadcrumbs, the page title, were properties on the page and not blocks. So I think once people start to 
use a theme with it, they're going to find all kinds of ways that the site doesn't run uh, or that retrofit isn't filling a gap. And then to me, that's a good problem because you open an issue and we can solve it. But I think that is going to be more challenging than the entity system in all my honest opinion. Um, or just some of the like this obscure APIs that I don't even know about or think about because I work with Drupal in a very specific way and others might be on a whole other side of it that I didn't even consider. Kat, what did you used to use as a starter theme? Oh, goodness. I just know that there were lots of people that, that felt like Bartik was a good starting place. I always Bartic. hated it. So, yeah. Yeah, you had to, yeah. Bartik, classy. Zen was kind of that Zen. world for a while, right? Probably pretty oh, I was on the even. Alpha Omega, and Ooh. that's it. That's what I forgot. As we left Twin Cities, I made a note to take the theme for that snowmobile club is an Alpha Omega theming setup. I meant to take that theme and try to run it on Drupal 10 to see, all right, I know this was popular. If somebody took adaptive theme was a big one, the very site buildery theme, I have no idea. Like some things are just going to be, can't do it, but you know what, if you're, if that's the bulk of your site is the theme, hopefully you could retheme it easily. Hopefully. What I hear is that it's not a magic wand, but it's a tool because it's going to try and execute it and probably throw an error. And then you go back and look at the error and figure out what the actual problem is. And probably you end up changing your old code or maybe massaging something to make things work. Um, it's, yeah. it's not a oh, poof. It works. I've installed this code and now it's awesome, but it's I've installed this code and now I have the potential of it working and I might have to yeah. put in a little effort to, to, to do some stuff on my own. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, and it also gives you an immediate feedback loop. So you could take the code and run it. And if you get a fatal error, it's like, Oh, retrofit didn't work. Or you can see how you have to fix your code for Drupal 10 without rewriting all of your APIs. Because right now you have to say, oh, I have a hook menu. Okay, let's make a controller. Let's make the routing.yaml file. Let's do all this. Or you just copy paste it in and you go try to visit that page and you see if it crashes or not. If it doesn't crash, congratulations, great. You, you test a little bit more. If it crashes, like, oh, okay, I need to adapt this part of the code. Like you're not having your, your chance to get immediate feedback on the level of effort even is much higher. Mm-hmm. You have to be the kind of person that's going to say, yay, I got a different error this time. Right? Yes. There, there, are, there are people that are like, oh, crap, I got an error. I'm done. But yay, I get a, got a different error is, is progress, right, to, yes. to folks that might be a little more comfortable um, doing that yeah. work. We're talking with Matt Glamon, um, software engineer at Acquia, and his latest brainchild retrofit, upgrading from Drupal 7. <laughs> back to the Lullabot podcast. We're talking about Drupal retrofit. Matt, when I was listening to your session at uh, Twin Cities Drupal Camp, somebody else in the room described it as um, the latest, greatest way to murder puppies or something like that, right? Because this yeah, is, this I is, did. I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting attack to, to plug in old code to a new site and it just kind of feels dirty, doesn't it? I mean, Having you go into a Drupal 7 site and then open a template file and there's like business logic there so Queries, much that it looks right? like a WordPress theme. Queries in your tpl.php file? Yeah. 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 So, you know, there's, there's or I've called it like Franken Drupals. That was when I came on the field. There'd be like Franken Drupals running around with Drupal 7 code and Drupal 10. 
let's face it most agents not sorry that that was a shot um most builds are like that like when you go look at drupal sites they're not perfectly engineered systems you know why because they're not products that are being built by product teams necessarily and they've got deadlines so i've had the privilege of most of my life working on sites that are treated like a product so we, we were kind of given that time where we find ways to say it has to be built this way that's not the case a lot of people are like you've got three months pull it off or you've got to do this one it's like we'll get back and fix that technical debt don't you worry and then two years later of course we will like, right yeah yeah so <laughs> that's where i was like you know what there's there's always going to be things that you look at and go oh how about that but this just makes it so that system can actually be upgraded yeah yeah and it's, it's flexible you know it's flexible it gives it you know you have dead, different deadlines so one one place is small enough that it might have a longer deadline and another place larger and have a, a shorter deadline so that's great i like that um i was wondering what uh what was your inspiration for the for retrofit so one of the big inspirations behind this was just I like to have wild experiments with Drupal code. You know, like I could just be doing PHP stuff, but I'm like, well, let's find a way to do it with Drupal. And I think it's just because it's a really good framework. You know, I have worked with Symfony and Laravel, but there's just things that Drupal has invented that are just great. Like our caching system, I wish that was like a standard versus what exists in PHP PSR land or the fig, whatever. Um, so I just like to do ridiculous things. And then I want to talk about them because I look at like Laravel is a good one. It is a, like a hype factor over there. Like some of the things I'm like you could just calm down a little bit, but people are doing innovative, cool things and they talk about it and they support each other. And like, this is cool. I wish Drupal did more of this. And I think we do like we talk about sites that are built with Drupal, but maybe not like oh, I built this thing that lets Drupal act in a completely different way than just build a website or you know run in a different way. So that was one of the other motivational factors. It's like, all right, I need a new wild project to work on. And we had this deadline coming up and people are going to be talking about it. So why not build a tool that kind of just jumps into the middle of that? And it seems like also go in my wheelhouse. Oh, there's PHP Stand Drupal, which is being used for all the major version checks. Composer Lenient plugin to help people download stuff and patch it. So why not something to let people have a runtime tool to help with those upgrades. Is is this okay? Like Acquia and, and their role in in being Acquia and a part of the Drupal community. Like, are, are do they encourage this kind of work? This is completely separate. Okay, so this was my own personal endeavor. I like, especially like even PHP stand Drupal. I try to separate my open source work from okay. work. That's fair. Um, like if Acquia, I had to do open source work, like. The Acquia Dam module. That's something I built that's open source. But then I try to keep my Dam personal Dam being digital digital asset management. Digital asset management yeah. system. Okay. Yeah. And like Acquia Search and Acquia Connector is on a team and we maintain that. It just seems like it's different from how normal Drupal should be. And I, I yeah. was wondering if, if you had gotten any flack from that from your no, your, your no. job or anyone in the community or anything like no, that. But I didn't also like run around like Aqua is paying my time to do this because yeah. they're not. Like, okay. it, it wasn't like a, it's not like it was like a sanctioned or unsanctioned project. It's just, that, that is one nice part. Like you're able to go have your, chase your own personal interests. It doesn't have to, not, like your open source work isn't like tied. Yeah. 
to Aquia. Like you're still able to do whatever makes you happy or not. So cool. Uh, so I was wondering, uh, what are the future plans with Retrofit? So right now my focus is just on the Drupal 7 items, but then on how to help people get off of Drupal 9 to Drupal 11, because guess what's happening in June next year? We get Drupal 11. Uh, so Retrofit already provides a backwards compatible layer for module load install. The difference is you'd have to go find your function call and do backslash um, retrofit Drupal backslash module load install. So you have to namespace the function. So that would be kind of the next step is like, first, like let's make it so Drupal 7 sites can run or get upgraded. And then let's start adding different, um, you know, backwards compatibility layers for other deprecated APIs. One such thing in a pull request that I need to merge is in the module handler, they removed git hook implementations, something of that matter. Well, it's there, it's just not a public function anymore. Guess what? You decorate the service, which means you just kind of wrap it and then you can bring that method back. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Huh? We'll let people decide, but does it make somebody upgrade their site a little bit faster? It sure does. Um, so as the future will be stabilizing backward compatibility layers for Drupal 7 and then adding things for current versions of Drupal so that way people can upgrade along the way. And contrib. So it is under its own GitHub organization. So it's like github.com slash retrofit slash Drupal. And then the retrofit package is the main one, but there could be like a C tools package. And that helps bridge the gap for C tools in Drupal 7. Because um, Drupal 7 C tools provide a lot of the inspiration for plugins in Drupal 8. So I think there might be a lot that there could be a lot of functionality that gets mapped in correctly. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, but that would be one idea is make different packages for different ecosystems that are pretty big in Drupal beyond Drupal core. You know, at the root of this, the more I think about it, it's not all that different than the helper module. Are you familiar with that? They serve different oh. purposes. It's I think the helper module is more like Dave Reed's um, personal paste bin of things that I do often and you know methods or ways that I, I do these common tasks a whole lot easier. Um, in that it's just kind of like this middle middle layer of of translation code. Yeah. Anyway, just yes. a, just something that I was I was thinking of there. So based on that, one thing everybody's thinking about is that the Drupal 7 upgrade, I guess, um, it happens, like everybody's being forced to upgrade or should at least be very strongly encouraged to upgrade because security support is ending. And that's kind of the, the biggest reason to update um, because you might be flapping in the wind with something you don't know is a problem until it's too late um, because the Drupal security team is no longer on the job um, when you start plugging old code into your site, you're still kind of taking your life into your own hands, right? Yes. Um, one of the big, like every single security issue from Drupal seven was about unescaped output because we had PHP template. So you had to manually escape all user input. And then we got Twig. Sure, that was and that was the whole like you you always put in your database the whatever was in the form like whatever the user wanted goes into your database, and then on output, 
filter it filter. as necessary as, as necessary yeah. as needed i guess you know whatever type of data you're expecting make sure that other types of data aren't there yep so you'd always filter on output and twig does that automatically but in drupal for our templating system that was up to the developer to do so it's because you tell twig what it is right no, just because like Twig just does that automatically. Like it has sandboxing built into it. Or like this. You're, or you're it has like you a, can make you can tell Twig that this is a raw variable and if you want to put a PHP. Yes. Script or so something actually like. that's what you have to do. Yeah. In Twig, if you were to try to print H, like HTML from a from um like a plain HTML string, it will sanitize it for you. You would have to explicitly say, no, this is supposed to be printed raw. Kind of like in React. So for anybody that does React, it's like dangerously set HTML equals, right? Like it's, it's some absurd way to say, treat this as raw HTML to prevent unescaped output from being rendered. Um, so modern templating systems have a way, it auto escapes, but then you have to like do something special to say, no, render this HTML in the raw way it's supposed to be. Drupal 7, it was always raw, and then you had to filter it yourself. So that is one big concern. Um, take field labels, for instance. In Drupal 7, when rendering a field, it would always do like filter the label, whatever the function was called, like filter XSS on the label. Check plane, filter print. XSS. There was a series yeah. of them depending on how seriously you needed to take things out. Yeah. Yeah. So Drupal did a lot of those things behind the scenes. So retrofit doesn't. It could in some ways. Um, but the main thing is all those functions are in retrofit Drupal. So you, the developers should have been doing that. Now, it doesn't mean they did. But the way I think of it is, yes, Drupal took care of parts of it. But developers were still supposed to be doing it. So it's it might add a bit of a gap there in terms of user input that could be exposed. Um, that was used to like have a pre-processed function it ran through. A lot of it was still on the developer. So I don't think it's any worse off, but it does add that extra be mindful. Um, and then there needs to be the, like the proper approach. Is it one where retrofit Drupal the, integrates the same way that Drupal 7 did and calls it on the same things? Or is it one of buyer beware, update your twig templates or update your templates? Or this is like, for instance, if your theme doesn't have a field TPL PHP file, it's going to be rendered by the Twig template, so it's not a problem. So there's there's all these gotchas. Yes, it's a problem, but I'm not sure how big of one it necessarily is. And I know some folks will say it's security. Every, any security problem is a big one, but we have to be realistic and think of consequences. That this, if you're worried about your your filtered output, chances are you already took care of it, and it will just work or you should just double over your code as you do this. At the end of the day, you're responsible for your custom code, like one way or the yeah. other, right? Regardless of how it's written or what system it's designed to be natively executed in. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, um, has have you uh, touched on the, the database abstraction abstraction layer at all in oh. 7? Yes, all of your classic DB underscore functions are back. Um, that was one of the first things I did because luckily that was really straightforward. Like you just DB select is, it's a lot of the same arguments as well. So those are back and in place um, and seem to work. 
I haven't done as much testing around that, but all the functions are there and they map in like DB or DB like, um, because again, that API changed in the way it looks, but in terms of like arguments, it's the same thing. So the arguments to the old functions match to the new methods. It's just now all object oriented under the hood. That's awesome. And then some things for variable get and set are also adapted because mm -hmm. in Drupal 7, we didn't have config, we had variables. Now, variable set and get will push things into the state system, which is like the modern variable, or if it's like a known item such as like menu rebuild. Yeah, that was one. Like if you did variable set menu rebuild, Drupal would trigger a menu rebuild. This calls the router and says rebuild the router or get site slogan, load the site config and return the site slogan. So there's some mapping in there. And those are things that as people work with it, we can expand the compatibility. You're bringing back some memories with some of that. <laughs> I know, as I was digging in, I was like, oh, I forgot how we did these things. Yeah. Well, I mean, Drupal 7 will have existed for a long time now, right? What was the the, the date? I, I, I know I haven't worked on Drupal 7 since 2016. I was looking at like up. 2010. I got to pull it up because I, I, I know where to, Oh, 2011, January, 2011. It had a good run. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. it definitely did. So what are your, what are your future plans? Continue to, to do more work. Is there anything specifically you're, you're, you're itching to get into and finish the progress you've started or. So I want to finish the field support. Um, but I also don't want that to bog me down. I might merge it as is, and then we can address um, some changes along the way, like any bugs. But documentation, I want to get documentation up because you asked, like, what does it cover? And I was like, I've got a list in my slide deck, but I don't have it on the website yet. And it's one of like, oh, I built the site using Next.js. And I was like, oh, I want documentation. I'm like, well, then I got to, then I was like, how do I want to do documentation? Do I want it to be in this private site or do I want it to be in the repo? And then I got stuck in decision paralysis. So one is just getting documentation up in some way form and making it so folks can contribute to it as well. Um, and then finding ways to offer support because I have a feeling organizations are gonna want this and be able to come up with a way to ask somebody questions and finding a way to do like, I did a poll earlier and a lot of folks might be interested in a premium ticketing system. So that might be something where if you, your organization can subscribe to like get access to a ticket system to share more private code. Cause that is one problem. This is a compatibility layer that helps your custom code run, but you don't necessarily want to post your custom code on a GitHub issue. Um, so that's one thing that I was considering as well. And it's a GitHub issue. I mean, I think we mentioned that earlier. Just wanted to point out that if you wanted to go take a look at it, it's at, it's on github.com. The The project is called Retrofit in a retrofit-drupal organization. Yes. And I'm also, you'll also find a demo. There's a repo called Demo Examples where I'm trying to have a Drupal 10 site that you can clone down, run with DDEV and see retrofit in action. You also have a website. Yes, so retrofit-drupal.com, and that's where the documentation will live as well. Is what is that Drupal? What is that site? Is that a Drupal site? Is it? That is a that is Next.js. Okay, I I was hoping it was a a Drupal ten site running Drupal seven code or something entirely meta like that. 
Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Not that it would make any difference. Cause that's kind of the point, right? Is like, you don't know what's running yeah. under the hood. It's just, you know, it just works. And that's the important part. Getting it back to work. Kat, is there anything else you'd like to talk about or wonder about when you're thinking about retrofit as we kind of point toward wrapping up? And the only thing is I noticed that you mentioned that it runs on previous versions of Drupal 2. So if there's anybody out there that has a Drupal 6 site, which I guess is a possibility, uh, this should work with that too. So, Yeah. I mean, I do know some people that still have Drupal 6 Ubercart sites that are running because also like, I think I know of at least one it's behind the scenes because it works and it's all their like order management system because it works. But you know, eventually you do kind of want to upgrade it to something that runs on PHP eight. I don't know. I, I highly doubt their thing does, but you know, so it, it could be used for older and newer. Yeah, that's great. I really, really love this, this is a, a really great project. So thank you so much. Thank you. I, I'd like to hear that because it went from just being like, I don't know, to like, oh, <laughs> people like this. Great. Matt, anything else you want to talk about when it comes to retrofit? Uh, no, that covers just about everything. It's just, you know, try it out. It there are it the docs at least say how to get started or check out that demo examples and just plug in your code and see what happens. Like I would love to create like some online runner like PHP stand has, like just try it. But that's a lot of engineering work and just give it a shot and if something doesn't work open an issue because i'd love to find ways to like, handle those edge cases and yeah i think more people using it helps you right because you understand what works and what doesn't work and things that might need changes right yep and you mentioned your slide deck um you've been taking this on the road talking about it where, where else are you going I don't know. I need to find my next stop. <laughs> um, Twin Cities was the first one, and I need to plan out. Maybe Florida Drupal Camp will be the next one that works out for me. That usually happens in the spring, if I like early spring, yes. I guess. I think February like 22nd this okay. upcoming year, I think. That, that'll that be great. Perfect time to go to Florida. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Matt. Thank we you. wish you luck. Thanks. Thanks.